Thank you, Jeff. Good morning, church. I hope you uh, are blessed by the time of worship. Get comfy. Now we're continuing our time together in our Christian Living series. Pastor Rick went through uh, four weeks of the pillars, and uh, we reviewed that last week, and then we have been uh, jumping into... um, my series on this Christian living series called A Hill to Die On, A Hill to Die On. This is part two. We're in Colossians chapter three. We looked at Colossians chapter three, one A will be Colossians chapter three, one B through verse four this morning. But I hope you are blessed. I hope you're doing well. Um, And I hope you're excited about our message this morning. One of the things that I I find very rarely uh, in today's church is just people being excited, being excited about God's word, being excited about going to church. doesn't mean you have to be this uh, uh, crazy extrovert and, and hooting and hollering and, and anything else, but um, to be excited about God, to be excited about his word, to be excited about the teaching of his word. And so I hope this morning that we can be excited about that I hope you are excited about it. If not, my prayer is that you would be excited about God's Word. One of the reasons why we looked at that last week as we looked at um, Colossians 3, verse 1a, or the uh, first part of verse 1, we looked at the if and the then. Um, If, right, trying to understand or fully understanding if we are saved, if we are saved, if we've died to ourself, recognizing what Christ has done on the cross and the tomb being empty, understanding what that means, what that looks like, understanding Romans chapter 10, that Jesus is our Lord and our master. He's just not some superhero that comes in and saves the day um, when we die to take us up to heaven, but he is actually uh, our master and the Lord of our lives. One of the things that we continue to fail to do as Christians, as believers, is to have that understanding, to have that makeup, to have um, that life that reflects that Jesus is Lord, that we no longer belong to self, but we belong to him. We're going to definitely be looking at more of that um, this morning as we continue our study. We looked at understanding the then, uh, if we have uh, salvation, if we died with Christ, then we've been raised with Christ, right? We are a new being, a new creation, uh, conquering death uh, because of the work of Christ on the cross, because of Calvary. Understanding that typically in our lives, uh, when we are approached with something that is of conflict or something that is of change, it's a fight or flight situation. We, we run from it, uh, we fight it. Uh, but one of the things that I tried to help us all look at and understand is, You know, we do fight. We don't fight against things. We fight for things. And a lot of times we choose the wrong hill to die on. As we looked at the gospel, we looked at this half of a verse, first uh, chapter three, verse one, a understanding that the gospel is everything. It's the foundation. Christ is everything. He is the foundation. That is the hill to die on. As Christians, we become fanatics, we become crazed, we become excited, we become energetic about so many things other than the gospel, God's word, 
being a Christian. If anything, these days we love to hide our faith. So my question was, what do you truly stand for? What do you truly stand for? Are you running from God? Are you fighting against God? Things that you stand for, things that you represent, are they godly things? Are they biblical things? Are they things of the gospel? Is that the hill that you're choosing to die on? Or is it not? We have to continue to search our hearts, to search our minds, and to continue to look at the reflection of our lives as we live them each day to answer this question. Because this if-then is going to continue throughout the the whole series here in Colossians chapter 3. So as you continue to, to have that as a backdrop and understand these different things, um, and, and if you weren't here last week, I hope that review was significant enough to, to get you uh, thinking the right direction, moving the right direction, um, processing, and uh, having a, a, a platform for us to continue uh, to jump off of as we move forward. But this morning, one of the things I want you to think about is your time and your money. Your time and your money or your resources. It could be your home, your car, your finances. Many people say that if you want to know what people care about, look at where they spend their time and they spend their money. Look at where they spend their time and they spend their money. Now, as we go throughout our lives in this fallen world, so to speak, um, especially in California, we can look and see and, and, and understand the world and how the world spends its time and its money. But should that be the same for believers? Should we spend our time and should we spend our money in the same way? What does that look like? What does that mean? A lot of times people ask this because they want to know what is important to a person. What is important to an individual? One of the things that I, I like to see or look at is how people spend their time and money because typically we can see that's what they're chasing. That's what they're after. That's what they value. So my question for you this morning is, what are you chasing? What do you value? Where can you be seen of putting your money into? What can you be seen as to putting your time into? I, I was listening to a sermon uh, this week, and, and um, uh, one of the pastor that was preaching, and, and he said something basically like, we're, we're so willing and able to spend hours on social media but never crack open our Bibles. And that really resonated with me. Wow, how are we really spending our time? And that, that goes for me as well. Most of you know that the message that I preach, um, a lot of them have to do with the convictions that I have, areas that I need to work on in my life, and things that I, I, I truly believe that we all struggle with at some point in time, and we need to be in prayer and be working towards to do better, to be more like Christ. 
And in this day and, day and age, especially with uh, a lot of people just being stuck at home, the air quality being very, very bad, um, it becomes, uh, it becomes uh, an element or a season to where we're just indoors all the time. And so what do you value? What are you chasing? Do we find ourselves spending more and more and more time with the things not of God? One of the things that uh, um, a lot of you probably have heard me preach before, even those at uh, Kaleo Mission, is head, heart, walk. And we're going to be diving into that because the rest of Colossians 3 is, has a lot to do with that. What do we embrace? What do we believe? What do we desire? Our heart. What do, we, what do we believe? What do we think? What do we meditate on? What do we focus on? What do we spend our time on? Our head. And how do we live? Our walk. Colossians 3 is very practical very, very practical for the Christian life and Christian living. And Paul continues to point out, if, then. So, if you are a born-again Christian, that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, then, this is what your mind and your heart and your walk should look like. So what are you chasing? What do you value? Let's pray before we go any further. Lord God, thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you for our time so far this morning. Just a beautiful opportunity to worship you through song and praise, Lord God and the opportunity to be able to preach your word, for us to hear your word, to allow you, Lord God, to continue to use the Holy Spirit and the word of God to convict us, to change us, to draw us nearer to you. Because, Lord, we, we simply do not just want to worship you with our lips. We want to worship you with our lives. And may we see the blind spots. May we see the shortcomings. May we see the sin that we have so that we may be more like Christ each day. Bless us during this time. May it honor and reflect you, Lord God, above all things. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to be with us and guide us during this time. And we pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So we're in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read all of verses 1 through 4, but we're going to be starting off in uh, the second half of verse 1. Please follow along as I read God's word. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him 
in glory. So we see here in Colossians 3, 1b, the second half of verse 1, seek. We're going to start off with that word, seek, because we need to have a, a, a better understanding of what that is before we continue on. But first, a quick reminder of the beginning of that verse. It says, now remember, okay, what? If, what? You're saved. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Then, what? You've been raised with him. So Paul is reminding us, and I know we went through it quite a bit, but I need to continue to remind you as well, is if you're a Christian, then you've died, right, to your old self, and now you've been raised with Christ, being a new being, a new creation, okay? You now belong to who? Belong to God. You belong to him. You no longer belong to yourself. So listen, if you are truly saved and raised with Christ, then the things of the earth have died as well. At least they should have. So as you die to the flesh and now are alive in Christ, the things of this world has died with your flesh. Thing is, a lot of times we come to Christ and we walk away from Christ. I'm not talking about walking away from our salvation or losing our salvation. I'm not talking about any of that at all. I'm talking about as we come to Christ and we come and we, we, we feel that we, we, we say what we need to say or we do what we need to do and it's like, okay, good. I, I have my salvation ticket and then we walk away from him and we don't stay with him. You tracking with me? A lot of times as believers or, or, or so-called believers, we do that in our faith. And it's no longer, uh, uh, there's Christ, and I need to continue to, to die to self and walk to Christ. Just as Peter stepped out of that boat and walked on the water to Christ. But we do the exact same thing. And as we're walking towards Christ in that sanctification process, and, and, and Christ is drawing us near, drawing us near to him, the world happens and continues to go. And see, this is the tricky part. This is the part where a lot of Christians struggle is, okay, Pastor F, I understand, I, I, I died to self, I died to sin, I'm a new creation, a new belief, uh, I'm, I'm in Christ, I've been raised with him, I, I understand that, but I'm still in this world. And see, this is why Paul writes what he writes, seek. We're going to dive into that word a little bit more in just a moment. But this is something that needs to be right there up front in our daily walk. Why? Because this world continues to pick Christians apart daily. Turn with me to John chapter 3. So you know, uh, I use a lot of scripture. Why? Because it's hard to fight against and argue with scripture. You can do that with my opinion. I try not to do that too much, so I try to get you in God's Word more and more. Plus, I love hearing the pages of the Bible turn. Um, if you're digital, I understand. Um, call me old school or whatever it may be. I, I, I'm a page turner, okay? Um, and I encourage others to have a Bible and be page turners as well. If not, that's okay. Um, but turn with me to John chapter 3. We're going to be in John a lot. We're going to be in Romans a lot. We're going to be in a couple other places, but those are some two main areas of the Bible that we will be in. 
this morning, as we will have a lot of Scripture references. John chapter 3, verse 3, and Jesus answered, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You must be born again. If, okay, and now we're the then. You must be born again. So as a born-again Christian, Paul continues to tell us that we should seek. Seek. Now, I'm in the ESV, and so we see here it says, seek the things that are above. Okay, in the NIV, and I, and I got three other translations here I want to point out, and then I'm, we're going to look at that word seek a little more um, in depth briefly. Okay, NIV says, set your hearts. All right, um, if you have the NIV, great. I had a, I usually use that with youth, and I had a pastor tell me one time, oh, Pastor Raph, you use the NIV, the nearly inspired version of the Bible. And I, I always thought that was funny. I didn't take that as an insult. Don't take it as an insult. I, I, I hang on to it because I think, it's, I think it's a little funny. So NIV says, set your hearts. Okay, NASB says, keep seeking. Keep seeking. King James, okay, set your affection on. Set your affection on. Seek. Now, for, for this word in the Greek, there's a few different translations, but the root word is zeteo. Zeteo, it means to seek after, to strive to find an earnest desire, okay? This is coming from the heart. This is the heart part of the head, heart, walk that I was talking about earlier, okay? And what are we to seek as believers? What are we to, to strive to find? What are we to, to, to desire earnestly, to chase, to run after? says here, seek the things that are above, heavenly things, heavenly things. What do you desire? What do you value? What are you chasing? What are you spending your time and your money on? Is it heavenly things? The hills that you choose to die on, are they heavenly things? The groups, the, the, the causes, the things that you, you desire to spend time in and to be excited about and to, to, to run after and to, and to give to, are, are they heavenly things? Are they heavenly things? And remember, we have to take everything and have this biblical worldview, and I'm gonna, we're, I'm gonna, we're gonna get into this into the next couple of verses, but we need to view everything in the world through God's word. Wow, look at this over there. Man. I need help with that. How does it filter through God's holy word? Because here's the thing is we continue to allow our emotions and our own desires and our own thoughts and our own intelligence to continue to dictate our actions. It goes through that filter and not the filter of scripture. This is where we go wrong. This is where we're continuing to go wrong. This is why we have a generation and even more than that, some gen multiple generations that are that are so lost and chasing after the wrong things. You see, Paul reminds us, seek the things that are above. 
And then he gets, he says, where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. This is a direct reference to, to, to Christ's ascension, and he was placed at the right hand of God, the seat of honor, the place of honor, the place where we saw the, 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 the disciples fighting over one time at the table. And it's, see, the thing is, is, do we have that same desire to seek, to strive to find, to desire? the place of honor next to God. Not to take that seat, but to seek the things that are heavenly, that are so pure, they're seated next to God, which is Christ. Are we after these heavenly things? Why, though? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians, just a little bit left in your Bibles if you're still in Colossians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ controls us. We could stop there. Why? Why are we supposed to seek after heavenly things? Because if you're a believer and you no longer are a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness, you no longer belong to yourself, but you belong to Christ. Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for the love of Christ controls us. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? Use your resources. For the love of Christ controls us because what? We have concluded this, that one has died for all. Going back to Calvary, going back to that hill that Christ died on. Therefore, all have died. If we are believers and we are in Christ, we have died with him and we are raised with him. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Did you hear that? That those who live may no longer live for themselves. Who do you live for? See, this is one of the things that, that I, I do get caught up on, and these are hills that I die on, because as I see Christians living, and they live for themselves, and they're not living for Christ, and don't get me wrong, I... I'm not worried about too much of the car you buy or the house you live in or this or that. I mean, th th there's some things we can discuss there, but I'm talking about core foundational elements of our faith, the things that we are standing for, the things that we are seeking, the things that we are running after. Is it for yourself or for God? Paul is is hitting us right in the very place that I'm sure we all struggle with. And why is this so important? Because Paul understands what's going on in Colossae, that, 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 that this, 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 this asceticism, this Gnosticism, this stuff that's going on, these false teachings, that people are being led astray constantly from the church, all these different things coming into the church and picking and pulling and, 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 and these wolves attacking the sheep. 
But see, a lot of times we, as Christians, we compromise. Ah, this movie's okay. This music's okay. This is okay. That is okay. And that's how sin creeps in. I'm not speaking to you because I read some book or had some devotional. It's because it it happens to me in my own life. We allow sin to creep in. And guess what? We begin to seek after the things that God never intended us to seek after. So we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that, and he died for all that those who live might, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Who do you live for? What hill do you die on? What is your earnest desire? As we continue to look at this, I want us to turn to Philippians chapter 3, and then we'll move on to verse 2. But in Philippians chapter 3, we continue to see God's desire for us and what we should be chasing, what we should be after, what we should desire. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, okay? And so Paul's saying, look, I'm not perfect. We all know Paul had struggles. That should give us comfort. That should give us encouragement, that we all struggle. We're not perfect. Yes, our goal is to be like Christ who is perfect, and that's what we strive for. Does that mean we are right now? No, it does not. So he's, he's pointing that out. Not that I've already obtained this, not that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it what? My own. Why? Because Christ has made me his own. This goes back to the verse that says, be holy for I am holy, God tells us. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And this is that turning away from our sin and turning to Christ, right? Turning away from our sin and turning to Christ. And that's what repentance should be each and every time we repent, is turning away from that sin and turning to Christ. That, that straining forward, that striving, and it, you're working and you're pulling and you, you're pushing. See, the thing is, is do we really try that hard? I, it's just off the top of my head. I forget the, the reference. Maybe somebody can um, type it in on the comments. But there's a, there's a verse that God said. He's like, um, have you resisted sin to the point of shedding blood? Because that's what Christ did. Have you resisted sin to the point of shedding blood. What are we after? What are we chasing? What are the things that we continue to seek? We're going to continue this, this Philippians, right? And looking at this, and it says, 
Brother, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies behead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we strain, we fight against, we get away from, and then what? We press forward towards the goal. What is the goal? Christ, in that image of Peter stepping out into the water, out of the boat into the water, the crashing waves, towards Christ. And it's like, okay, he's walking on water, but then what? Instead, he was distracted. He looked away at the crashing waves, and then he sank. And the thing is, loved ones, as we continue to do that in our own personal spiritual lives, as we continue to get out of the boat, it's like, yes, I'm focused on Christ. I'm seeking, I'm chasing, I'm running after this is what God has called me to. We get so easily distracted and we sink. But see, here's the thing. What did Peter do? Peter cried out to Jesus. He cried out to him. What did Jesus do? He pulled him up. He rebuked him. And see, the thing is, a lot of times in our own personal lives, we think that we're striving and we're pushing towards Christ, but what we're actually doing is we're sinking. And the thing is, is we have this perception that we're actually striving towards Christ, but we're not. We're sinking, and we never cry out to him. The thing is, is that Christ, what is the first thing he do? He did to Peter. He grabbed him, he pulled him up, and then he rebuked him. See, a lot of times in a Christian walk, we don't, we don't like rebuke. Uh, I don't think there's too many people I've ever met that, you know, I like to be corrected. I like to be corrected. I like a godly rebuke. What do you desire? What is important to you? Well, as they say, that's too convicting, so let's move on. Let's go to verse 2. So as we looked at the heart, the condition of the heart, and what we should, be, what we should desire and what we should be chasing after and what we should be seeking, we're now going to look at the, the mind, the head, in verse 2. Verse 2 says this, says, Set your minds on things that are above. So we go from the end of, <clears throat> excuse me, the end of verse one. It says, "Look, you 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 should be seeking after these things." Where Christ is seated, the heavenly things. Now, how, how can we do that? Verse two: Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. We need to move from what we should be seeking and trying to obtain to how we think and what we think about. What occupies your mind? What do you meditate on? What do you study? What do you fill your time with? How do you educate yourself? This is a direct connection with verse 1. It's very simple. We see that on what um, we, we are to be thinking of, heavenly things, right? What do we not, what we should not be thinking of, earthly things. 
It's a given there in, in, in verse 1b where it says seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated in the right hand of God. And it's like, well, it doesn't say anything about earthly. There's plenty of scripture that does. We're going to get to that in a moment. And then we go into two. It says then we, our mind, right? We should be thinking. We should set our mind on these things. Now, this set your mind, right? I, I, I looked at that. And I was like, okay, well, if seek, right, and set, there should be some correlation there. Or I was like, okay, I was looking at it, and then, but in the Greek, as it breaks it down, it's like set your mind is, is just one word, okay? And I found that very interesting. And there's just one word that is used, and I know it depends on your study and how you break it down, but the way that I looked at it is, is set your mind was all... It was all captured in one Greek word. Now, the thing is, is that as we learn to set our mind, we learn to think, we learn to have a biblical worldview, we should have this, this inner disposition within us, right? This understanding of having a, a biblical filter, right? And, and some of us might like to think of it as like a compass, right? I need to always be pointed towards God, right? So God is always this way. And so if something starts to turn me this way, my, my, my compass is going to be pointing in a different direction and I need to be you know, sensitive to that. I need to be in tune with that. So I need to get back right. And see, this is what I'm constantly trying to help us understand is having a biblical worldview. As we view everything in the world through God's word, this helps us keep that moral compass. That help, well, I don't even like to say moral compass because there's a lot of moral people that are ungodly people. But the understanding we need to have is we need to be having a, a biblical compass, this discernment, this thing, this innate inner disposition within us that points us constantly towards God. And that's not... That's not just, you know, saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And saying these things. And people do that all the time. And I, I've heard people just tell random stories and they say hallelujah 15 times while they're saying this story. I'm like, what does that even have to do with God's word or God in general? Right. But see, then we get back to this. It's like, OK, well, why? Why do we need to have this? Well, it should be very simple, right? If then, if you are saved, then you've been raised with Christ. This is why we need to have this, to set our minds on heavenly things, not on earthly things. The Bible speaks very heavily on this. Turn me to Romans chapter 8. Here's a little homework for you. Um, if you really want to be convicted and, 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 and get more discernment, more of a filter, especially with everything that's going on in uh, our times today, do a study on Romans 1 and Romans 8. Do a study on Romans 1 and Romans 8 together, okay, and see what the Lord reveals to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 <clears throat> says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Pay very close attention to the words that is used here in Romans chapter 5. Okay, 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Now, before I move on, I want to point out a few different things because I've had so many people like, well, I have a friend and she's my best friend, but, you know, she, she, she's in a, a, a homosexual uh, relationship, but she's a great person. Those that live in the flesh, right, set their minds on the flesh. But she's a Christian, and I, and I really believe she's a Christian. And those that live in the flesh set their minds on the flesh. But this is a great cause, and, and I know there's, there's like bad people doing bad things, and, 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 but this is a great cause. The flesh sets its mind on things of the flesh. Don't get it twisted. Understand that the Bible tells us how people are going to act and why they're acting this way. It's not a secret. Let's continue on because there's so much more that is revealed here in just these few verses. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. It's capital S. Those who live according to God's word set their minds on things according to God's word. This is so important. Now, a lot of times our perception of people is like, man, that's a godly person. And so that godly person says, hey, we should all go do this. This is what I stand for. And we're like, okay, because they're a godly person. And my faith is in that person, not God. Do you get that? Listen, this is why I always tell people I have equal opportunity when it comes to church, right? I treat everyone equally. Everyone has the opportunity to get treated the same way by Pastor Raph all the time. I take James very seriously. I treat no one different. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what position you have. I don't care how you dress how you smell like, what you look like, okay? If that was the case, I wouldn't be doing college ministry. What's my point? My point is this. When it comes to God's word, we are all equal at the foot of the cross, and that is the hill we should all be dying on. Nothing else. Everything else is based on emotion, opinion. And in things like this, when we cast our lot with an individual personality. And yes, personality worship is a thing. Let's continue on. It says, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. Did you get that? To set the mind on things of the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Hmm. That really resonates, right? To set the to set your mind on things of the spirit is peace. What's one of the things that I hear every time I watch some news? No justice, no peace. From a biblical standpoint, that's a walking contradiction. 
That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So you're going to you're going to do things that are unrighteous. You're going to do sinful things because you want peace. How twisted is that mindset? So we continue to look at this. We need to understand people need to set their minds on things of the spirit. It's all about God. It's all about Christ. Are we getting it now? Let's continue on. It says here, now this is the part, and if you haven't noticed, it, it, this is a good stuff, and I'm excited about it. I love preaching on these different passages, but I really want this to resonate with all of you, okay? For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to to God. So if the mind is on the flesh, it's going to do worldly things. If it's not on the spirit, it can't do spiritual things. And not only that, it is hostile to God. It rejects God. It You have to understand the word hostile. It just means, well, I don't like you. No, it's an attack. It's an attack. It's not just, well, they're negative. No, it's 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 very aggressive. The word usage here, the mind that is set, what, on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It doesn't matter how moral a person is, how much stuff they give away. Without Christ, they cannot please God. Without the Spirit, they cannot please God. This is why it is so important as to what you set your mind on. What you set your mind on is so important because it's going to impact you and influence you. A lot of times I have discussions about various different things. I'm not going to list them or mention them at all, but I can really tell what people set their minds on based on that discussion. And people can tell the same thing about me. It's, it, it's true for all of us. But do you have a biblical worldview? Are you setting your mind on the things of the Spirit? Heavenly things or worldly things? I closed with it. I'm not closing now. Don't worry. There's plenty more. But I closed with this last week, um, and I told you I was going to mention it again this week. Turn to Romans 12. I know it's going to say verses 1 and 2 on the screen, but we're just going to look at verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern, test, discern, make judgments. This is why years ago when they started saying, don't judge me, don't judge me, I'm like, then you're not a Christian. Like, oh, how are you a Christian saying that to another Christian? Easy. The Bible tells me to, tells me to, so I can test and I can discern. 
Why? Because as especially as a pastor, I need to know where people are spiritually because then how am I going to know who I'm dealing with and how God is going to lead me to lead you? Understand that. What that means is biblical leaders continue to serve the churches. They need to have this understanding as well. The congregation, anybody in the church, the whole body of Christ needs to be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Time and time again, people stand for something And it's based on emotion. It's based on circumstance. It's based on opinion. But what it needs to be based on is God's word. Have you had a transforming and renewing of the mind? This is what really gets to me is that there are Christians that are are, are so meek and humble and gentle. And, you know, I spend time in God's word and I spend time in prayer and I do these things, and then they say something that's like completely out of left field, and it's like, how have you searched the Scriptures? It makes no sense. Then they turn me to a verse, and it's like, look right here, Pastor, look in this verse. I'm like, that's not what that's saying. You need to do a study. You need to look. You need to discern. Why? Because what, how you've been renewing your mind has not been on heavenly things. Time and time again, we need to make this discernment right here. Is God's word transforming you? Or are you transforming God's word? Did you get that? Is God's word transforming you? Or are you transforming God's word. See, this is what was happening in Colossae. These, these Gnostics, the um, asceticism was setting in, and these people were coming in and saying, oh, there's more, there's more. You don't need that, or you need that. Well, our custom, our culture, our this, our that. Either God's word is sufficient, or it's not. It's as simple as that. It's not complicated. The only person who complicates it is you. Is God's word transforming you? Or are you transforming God's word? We love to manipulate scripture. Why? Because we love when scripture can fit into our lifestyle. Can help us in some sense justify the way that we live is okay with God. Apart from God's word being God's word. There should be nothing else. There shouldn't be no manipulating, no taking away from, no watering down. Is God's word transforming you? Because we see here in Romans 12, 2, it says, we need to be transformed and renewed. Our mind, our mind. I went to a, years ago, I went to a conference, and Alistair Begg was a speaker. And those that don't know him, um, you can look him up. Um, and he did a Q&A, and, and someone asked about this, like, super intellect. And he's like, well, they're stating this, 
And this is what they're saying. And, and uh, his response stuck with me. It's been years now. And he said, you know, they're like, Alistair, what's your, what's your thought on that? And he goes, my thought is this. I don't understand how someone so smart can be so stupid. Because the gospel is so simple. A lot of times, we are the ones complicating things. Not God. A lot of times, we don't understand. Those that are of the flesh can't understand things of the spirit. And they're going to be hostile towards God. And our fear of conflict is the reason why we run. And the gospel is not a hill that we die on. God's word is not a hill that we die on. And we focus that energy, that attention, that excitement, that desire on other things. So what are we renewing our mind with? How much time are we spending in God's word and prayer, fellowship, wise counsel, godly conversation? What are we doing with our lives? Let's turn to verse 3. Colossians. Colossians 3, verse 3, as we move on, it says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so Paul continues to hit this point home over and over again, and he makes another assumption or a reminder. For you have died. He's like, look, our desire, what we should be chasing after, what, she, what we should be going after should be heavenly things. What we set our mind on, how we renew our mind, it should be on heavenly things, not on things of this world. And he says, why? Because you've died. If then. This is, this is that repetition over and over and over again. Why? Because we're dumb sheep, right? I am, you are, and we need this repetition over and over and over again. Just like I have to tell my children sometimes over and over and over again. And sometimes I stop and I'm like, oh, listen, we've talked to you about this 20 different times. Why do we have to keep doing it? I don't know. How do you think God, our father, responds when we're like over and over again? It's like, okay, Pastor Raph, you went down that path before. Why do you keep going down it? But see, God never gets discouraged with us. Because what does he say? He will finish the work that he started within us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And this should be encouraging. But we're going to look at a verse, a passage that talks about, you know, that as well. But man, we have to ask ourselves that question again over and over. Have you died? Because verse 3 says, for you have died. Have you died to self? Have you died to this earth? Have you died to sin? Are you a new being, a new creation in Christ and in Christ alone? We need to be honest with ourselves. 
have we died to this world and alive in Christ. And see, as we begin to, 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 to really unravel this and look at this more and more and, and understanding more and more of, of Calvary and, and what Christ went through and, 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 and just kind of the, the idea or mindset on, on a, a hill to die on, um, we can really take this and, and apply it to our decision-making and, 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 and look at the hills that we choose to die on. It's like, okay, if I died to these things, what am I standing for? What are the hills I'm choosing to die on? Are they earthly things or godly things? What are the hills that you choose to die on? Earthly things or godly things? These are things that we can continue to, to bring in and process and help us filter so we can be honest with ourselves. Because a lot of times when we hear messages such as this one, someone's saying, oh, that's not me. That's not me. And we tune it out. It's like, oh, I already heard that. I know that verse. I know that passage. You know, And that's a great thing. Why we love doing virtual church. We can get up and we can go do this. We can work on something else. They're not going to see us as long as I got the audio on. I don't need to really pay attention. I'll just have it on in the background. Is that really giving God your best? Is that really going and worshiping him? Is that really church? Are you really having church at home right now? You see, have you really died to sin and earthly things? Or are you seeking, setting on heavenly things? Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at this because a lot of us feel, right, that emotion thing again. I'm saved. I'm a believer. Yeah, I died to these things. I've been raised with Christ. Okay, stop going over it over and over and over again. Okay, let's continue to look at this. Let's continue to see where we are and be honest with ourselves. Romans chapter 6. It's a little more lengthy, but bear with me. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into, Jesus, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that what? Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That you would walk in newness of life, not going back to your old ways. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Okay, it's repeating a lot of stuff that we've already been through before. What does it continue to say? It says, verse, <clears throat> next verse says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought, what, to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Some of us 
raised in church and church our whole lives and how your life looks now looks exactly like it looked four or five years ago. Your life that looks now looks exactly how it looked a month ago. Some of us were not raised in church like myself and our lives that look like now do look nothing like our lives in the past. And we're like, yeah, look how much I changed. But see, the thing is, is when we get that mindset, like, wow, look how far I've gone. And then we lose sight of how far we still need to go. It's good to rejoice and understand the fact of how far we've come. And the only reason we've come that far is because of Christ and what Christ has done in our lives and how God is continuing to draw us near to him. But the thing is, sometimes we get stuck and the renewing of our mind stops and we continue to just live a comfortable life. We don't continue to move forward. Verse 7, it says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. For all, what? Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. You don't live for yourself. You live for him. Do your choices and actions reflect that? So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What are we after? How are we being transformed? We're going to skip to 15. Don't worry. At a later message, we'll get to those verses. We're going to skip here in Romans 6. Verse 15 says, what then? What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And see, this is where that a lot of times that mindset is like, oh, I'm saved. And we walk away from the, from the cross and we go and live however we want to live. And we think just because we've, we've, we've taken our salvation and we put it in our pocket and it's just with us wherever we go and we can do whatever we want. No, not so. That's not how it should be. It says, by no means, verse 16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Oh, really? We're all slaves. All of us. And it says here, which leads to death or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. It's one or the other. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. And how is it says you're a slave to righteousness? Through obedience. And why are you obedient? Because if then, because of the cross, because of the hill that Christ died on, nothing that you've done, it's because of your love for God, because you understand and embrace everything that he has done and sacrificed for you. See, the more we understand the cross, the more we understand the love that God has for us. And as, the, as we understand more of the love that God has for us, the more in return we fall in love with him. But how can we do that if we don't have a transforming and renewing of our mind? How can we do that if we come to the cross for salvation and we walk, we walk away to, to live lives however we see fit? How can we do that if we are slaves to sin and not slaves to righteousness? What hills are you dying on? Worldly hills, earthly hills, or godly hills? Thing is, is we need to learn to obey. 
not out of, out of this, this unhealthy fear, not out of this, this understanding. It's like, well, I have to do this to get. And, and so a, lot, a lot of Christians are out there thinking that, oh, I have to give to get. I have to obey to get. And that's not how it works. We obey because we want to, because we seek, we desire, we run after, we earnestly are after heavenly things, not earthly things, because of what Christ has done on the cross. Turn me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Quite a bit right. First John chapter two, verse fifteen says this do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're gonna stop there. We got a couple more verses I'm gonna hit there, but it, this is Man, this is so convicting. We're going to look at another one that says, if you don't obey my commands, then you don't love me, right? It's very similar. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Man, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? What are you after? A lot of times we have this understanding that we need to achieve certain things in, 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 in our company or, or achieve certain things in, in schooling and we need to achieve this and we need to achieve that. And, and if we want to have a peaceful, wonderful life, we need a six-figure income, you know, a, a, a house and a white picket fence and, and two and a half children, right? Because that's, that's the average of bliss, I guess, or happiness. And, and we need these things and we need to do this. If we want to be comfortable, we, we better make good money, right? It's like, get an education, get a good job, or you're going to be street sweeper, right? See, the thinking is so far from God's word. That thinking. Now, I'm not saying we need to go and sell all our possessions and give them to the poor. Maybe some of you need to, because that's a conviction you need to have, like the young rich ruler. And as the scripture says, he went away sad. But see, we need to understand, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever abides mean to take up residence within to live within and this in first john is getting at idols the idols in our lives and you see when in the beginning i said what are, what are, what are you spending your time on what are you spending your money on what are what are you holding close right and a lot of times if it's not god it's idols let me rephrase that and those things that we hold close, if it's not God, then it's an idol. And that's something I've wrestled with through my own life is just possessions and things. And my wife and I are pretty much on the same page as, you know, if God takes it away, God takes it away. 
my family of five lives in a one-bedroom apartment. We live in a one-bedroom apartment. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. The one thing that I continue to wrestle with, I've wrestled with for years, what if God took away one of my children? Man. something here on this earth, right? How hard would that be? How much do I love God? Then begin to really think about, man, that's so hard, and that's that just hits me. And as I think about it, I was like, man, what did God do? God gave his son. Wow. And the more we understand the cross, remember that? The more we fall in love with God. And the more we see that these things are all frivolous. Things of this earth are all frivolous. That's what God's trying to tell us. Like, look, the things of this earth are going to pass away. They're going to go. You can see them unraveling. Why, why do we fight so hard for the things on this earth? We need to be fighting for the things that are in heaven. That's what should be important. That's the hill that each and every one of us should be looking to die on. Don't worry, we're not done. We're going to get to verse 4 here now in Colossians 3. And it says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will, will appear with him in glory. And as we looked at before, the world does not see our spiritual life. And there's a reference here to the second coming of Christ is when he appears. But one of the things that the world does not understand and will never understand is that Christ is our life. It's our salvation. It should be our focus. Thoughts, hearts, the next two passages are going to be talking about application, our walk, and how we should be living, how the Christian life should and should not look like. And we need to understand this. Men do not understand us. They should not understand us. People should not understand us. Those who are not believers shouldn't get us. They think it's strange that we live the way that we live, that we do what we do. Um, they don't comprehend our, our thoughts, our motives, our decisions. But do they? Do non-believers connect with you and understand why you do what you do and not and think and all these different things? Why do I ask that? Because I think this can be another way for us to discern, wow, am I more like the world or am I more like Christ? Is my heart, is my mind set on things more of the world or set more on things of heaven? What if I went to your work or I talked to your friends? School? At home, is Christ 
your life. Did you catch that? Is Christ your life? Why do I ask? Because it says right here, I don't know if we caught it, when Christ who is your life, and Paul is pointing it out once again. When Christ who is your life, the thing is, is that a reflection in your day-to-day activities? Or are you a secret agent for Christ, right? No one knows that you're a believer because that's not a hill you want to die on. Well, I don't want to upset people. <laughs> Those that live in the flesh, live in the flesh, not the spirit. They're hostile to God. What are you worried about? Turn with me to John 14. John 14. John 14, verse 15. I told you I'd be getting to this. Um, We're going to see it here in these next references. John 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I know some of you like tattoos out there, okay? There's a tattoo for you. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? I thought about that because a lot of people don't know, but Diane and I were young one time, and, you know, we weren't believers, and you know, and we thought about getting tattoos and different things, and I had my own ideas, and she had hers, and, you know, we never went through it, but sometimes we think, yeah, like, oh, you know, maybe we'll get something in, in a Bible verse or something like that, and, and I know some of you, like, I've just, you know, completely, like, tainted your view of me, right, or changed it altogether, but, um, you know, what do, you know, I always think about that. I was like, man, if I had that just, like, right here on my arm, and every time I look down, I see it on my arm. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's like, man. And I'm like, no, I can't do that because I can't live with that conviction, right? That'd be too convicting, especially if I did it in red letters like it is in your Bible, right? It's right there, and it's like, you know, maybe if I just did if, right? I just tattooed if somewhere, right? And nobody would really know, and it, but I would know, right? We like to be these secret, you know, Christians, whatever it may be, but man, how convicting is that? And Jesus is saying, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, okay, to be with you forever, okay? Here again, we see this helper given to us forever cannot be taken away if we are true believers. Why? Because it says here, it says 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot, what? Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Are you friends of the world or the friends of God? Is your mind on heavenly things or worldly things? We have the love of Christ within us. 
Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. Back to, over to 1 John. We're just going to look at this one verse. I know we looked at a couple already, but we're going to go to verse 1 of 1 John chapter 3. Just to hit this point a little bit further, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Over and over and over again in Scripture, the world, those that are in the flesh are not going to understand. They're not going to know. They're going to be confused. And it says what? They're going to be hostile. Why do you think when we see what's going on, it's like, oh, sin issue. No, it's this. Right, a sin issue. Look at all the ungodly people doing ungodly things. Next thing you know, you see somebody being interviewed. Well, as a Christian, as a, as a what? As a what? Are you kidding me? See, the one thing about everything that's going on, it allows me, yes, it allows me to see the difference between the wheat and the chaff and the sheep and the goats. Why? Because there's all this ungodly things going on, and we're going to say, okay, where are you going to cast your lot? Where are you going to cast your lot? Where are you going to cast your lot? Heavenly things, earthly things. Heavenly things, earthly things. Apart from God's word, it is earthly, it is worldly. Well, over here, you know, it says this, and and one of the things that, man, I mentioned this uh, several weeks ago that really irked me that I saw that so many Christians were reposting this and it's about Jesus going, leaving the 99 to get the one. And they're like, this, this is a, a, an example, a scripture of what's going on. I was like, are you kidding me? Jesus went and burned down buildings? Did he do that? No. What it's saying is Jesus cares that much about the lost that he's willing to go out there and to search for that one. What hill are you dying on? And he's willing to go and he's to get that sheep, to get that lamb and to place it on his shoulders. And see, a lot of times people don't know, but they'd, sometimes they would break their legs and it would be a lesson and then they would mend that lamb to back to health. And a lot of times we go and we search for the one lost sheep and they're broken and we need to put them on our shoulders and we need to help carry their burdens and we need to help nurse them back to health. There's nothing that is going on out there right now that is standing for anything that is righteous that I see in God's word other than those that are going to try to proclaim, proclaim the gospel and help people understand that this is all sinful action. But Pastor Raph, this and Pastor... I understand. I will have that discussion with you for days, but we must get into God's word and understand what is at the root of all of this. There's nothing new under the sun. The scripture tells us this is something that has been going on and on and will continue to go on and on. And we have to understand we're living in a fallen world. We're living by people that desire the flesh over the spirit. And like I said, go and study Romans chapter one and Romans chapter eight. And study God's word and see what God reveals to you. Heavenly thinking. Heavenly desires. Are you friends of Christ? Or are you friends of the world? 
it saddens me, it grieves me. Not when I see sinful people doing sinful things. But when I see godly people doing sinful things. Do you feel the same way? Paul continues to make sure that you are sure of your salvation because of all the false teaching in Colossae, because um, when Christ appears at his second coming, there's no do-overs. And that's why he says here in verse 4, back in Colossians 3, when Christ, who is your life, appears, when he appears, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 18. I'm not, I'm not going to read it, but you can go there and you can look at the rapture and you can look at the second coming. It's in, it's in Revelations as well. Um, 1 Thessalonians give, chapter 4 gives a little better understanding um, as far as comprehension on just reading it. And there's going to be a time when Jesus returns. And the scriptures tell us like a thief in the night. You don't know when, but he will. And there's no do-overs. There's no, hey, wait, I believe now. It doesn't say that. The scripture tells us at that point, everyone will understand then. There'll be no more confusion. Everyone that is in the flesh and of the world will now is like, oh, that's why the Christians believe what they believe and why they live the way they live and why they did what they did. Now I understand. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Okay, that's, you know, that's a boat that I want to get on. As Noah said, up oh, too late. Flood's already here. Preached and I warned and I preached and I warned and I preached and I warned and nobody listened. That's fine. See, we have to understand when Christ returns, there is no do overs. We have to look at the scriptures and be convicted and be more like Christ and desire the things of the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to have this heavenly thinking. Why? We see here at the end of verse 4, it says, and then you also will appear with him in glory. First Thessalonians 4 talks about that. And glory, glorification, our heavenly bodies in the heavenly realm with God, with Christ. This is perfection. This is our eternal home. Not this earth. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. If you're in Colossians still, just go a little bit to the left. Philippians chapter 3. Don't worry, we're almost to my closing. I told you guys to get comfortable. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brothers, join. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brothers, join. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom 
I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Wow. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory and they glory in their shame with minds what set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom will what transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen. This really encompasses everything there, helping us understand, wow, we're citizens of heaven. Therefore, act like it. Reflect it. Seek it. Set your minds on it. So what hills do you choose to die on? Worldly ones? Earthly ones? Or heavenly hills? Spiritual hills? Biblical hills? Are you dead or alive? What do you set and seek? What do you set and seek. Do you set your mind on heavenly things, things of God? Do you seek heavenly things, the things of God? Do you chase after? Do you desire? Be honest with yourself. What do you set your lives on? I'm going to close with this, Matthew six thirty-three. I usually read the whole passage i'm not i'm just going to read the verse and i'm going to close with this jesus is teaching and one of the things he's teaching on is what we're going after and what we worry about and he's like look don't worry about all these things it's not going to help you verse 33 says but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And the thing is, we confuse it so much because we think for some reason that our effort, our effort, that if we work harder, we try harder, things are going to change. But the thing is, is that we just need to seek heavenly things first. And it's really that simple. And a lot of times I... I get caught up in different things or I stop and reflect and it's like, man, why, why is this so complicated? And it's complicated because I make it complicated. And to be, to be completely honest, it's so simple. Seek heavenly things. Seek his kingdom. And where we get it all mixed up is we like to seek our kingdom, our righteousness first, and not his Paul continues to remind us over and over and over again what the godly man, the godly woman should be doing, should be thinking about, should be desiring that head and that heart. He's going he's gonna to then lay out what it should not look like as far as an applied lifestyle. 
and then what it should look like as an applied lifestyle of who we are as Christians, as believers, and to ultimately understand that the hill that Christ died on, salvation, Calvary, grace, mercy, is the same hill that we should die on each and every day as believers. Seek his kingdom first and not your own. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you for your word. I continue to pray that more and more believers would be excited about your word, not only to read it, to learn it, but to be changed by it. Lord, may we stand firm in the faith and the salvation that we have from you and nothing else and no one else. Lord, may we see that we need to continue to be in your word so that we can have that transforming and renewing of our minds so that we can set our minds on heavenly things, that we can desire, that we can seek heavenly things and not the things of this world. Lord, help us continue to discern, to understand, and to apply your word to our lives each and every day. Ultimately, embracing and understanding the love and grace and mercy that you have for each and every one of us. Because even when we were sinners, even when we were in the flesh, even when we rejected you, you loved us. You chose us. You brought us in to be part of your family. Thank you so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.